This is Hal Hester, lead pastor of Vine Life, and this is our podcast, The Empowered Word. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective on what God is doing in your life. Please enjoy the message. Thank you, Hal. I appreciate that. So, so good to be with you. I, um, I've known, as, as Hal said, we were young, young men, uh, younger men, I guess. I don't know. Uh, we were young men when we met each other, and I've always had an affinity for Hal and just known him when his, he was in uh, Michigan and his travels in between Michigan and getting to here and all the things he's been involved with. And you're, you're all's church, and, and then your, your pastor, Hal, have a great reputation in the vineyard, and so it's fun to be here and actually witness it and just drive up and meet people, and, and the stories are true. You're a good church, uh, so, and uh, it's so cool to see that and just to walk through here, and y'all have been so friendly, so I uh, appreciate Hal and his leadership and, and even saying yes to different roles that over the years just had the opportunity to work together, so very good. Um, just a, some introductions besides like the, the super regional thing. That's a little goofy. I don't know. We have terrible titles, you know. Um, but uh, uh, I am married. I got a picture here of my family. I have, uh, I'm married to Christy. She, uh, we've been married almost 31 years. Got married when we were like 20 in college. And so and that's uh, my family. I have Emmy, my 17-year-old on the left. And uh, She's graduating, going to go to Lee University for nursing and then pastoral ministry. My son Luke is 20. He is actually full-time in the Alaskan Air National Guard, and uh, that's Christy. Uh, that's me, if you couldn't figure out. I'm next to her. Then Jesse, my 23-year-old, and he's married to Cassie. They live outside of Hilton Head, and uh, he works at a church. Uh, we thought we were good parents, but apparently they're trying to move as far away as possible from us. You know, Alaska, Hilton Head, and Emmy's going to Tennessee. So, uh, but no, we're super proud of our of our kids. I planted the Lancaster Vineyard about 25 years ago, 1998, and uh, pastored it. It's we're southeastern Ohio. Uh, or quickly becoming a suburb of, of Columbus. It was its own community, but it's being sucked in. And, uh, but we're kind of on the edge of Appalachia, so a lot of hills and beauty there. Uh, pastored that for 24 years, and then a year ago, January, stepped down. Uh, the vineyard has o- generally run on volunteer leaders, so like pastors, much like Al uh, or Howe is a pastor here. He's also volunteers as an area leader, so he helps to pastor a, a group of pastors in the, in the Tampa and Orlando area, and he you know, just encourages them. But we've always just run off volunteer leaders. We've never had uh, a team of people who've woke up every morning whose only job was to think about pastors around the movement, and now we have that. And so that's what I do for the last uh, year and a half. And strangely enough, even in my 20s, when I first planted I had a sense one day I would be pastoring pastors, but I had no idea what that meant. Um, and, and, and if I would have, I, I would have run away. Uh, but uh, uh, no, it's, it's been a joy. I, it's a lot of hard work, but it, it, it does, I just know, you all have been that way, right? You got into certain things in your life, certain careers or certain situations or certain volunteer ministries at the church. And there's just those seasons where you're like, I'm in the right place. Like, I, this is what I'm meant to do. You all have had those experiences, and that's the experience I'm having now. Like, this is what I'm, what I'm created to do. Like I said, I live in uh, southeastern Ohio. I'm on the edge of Appalachia. So uh, 
the county right below us is the number one tourist spot in Ohio. It's all dense forest, hills, rock formations. There's a series of caves, and it's just beautiful. In fact, uh, uh, September through October, you can't get a hotel room, you can't get a cabin. I mean, it's just packed because people want to see the, the changing of the leaves and the colors. It's just it's vibrant. And my grandpa actually had a house right in the middle of all of that. And so growing up, you know, his house was on a hill and he had, I don't know, 20 or 30 acres that goes up this giant dense forest hill and it had all the rock formations in it and stuff. And so my cousins and I would play all over that hill. One time, I don't know why, you know, when you're 10, you, you lack some logic, um, but we decided we would just run as fast as we could down the hill. And so we're running down this steep hill, flying by trees, and it didn't occur to us that as you get to the end and you get closer to the house, there was actually a, like, a, like a rock formation and like a 10 or 12 foot drop or something. And at some point, your brain kicks in and goes, I should stop, you know, um, you know, I, I, you know, sometimes I say I, I was a little kid, but the truth of the matter is I was never little. Uh, so uh, putting the brakes on is going to be tough for this guy. So, I, you know, I'm flying down the hill, and there's a, you know, a tree of substantial size. I mean, not a giant tree, but a tree that I could get my hand up against. And so right at the edge of this, of this drop-off, I grab the tree, you know, great bark. It's got leaves. It's got the whole thing. I grab the tree, and it just snaps off. Now... It's not because, you know, of my girth at that time. It wasn't like I was a, you know, ginormous uh, 10-year-old. It was just the fact that the tree was hollow. It looked like a solid tree. It had green leaves. It had the bark. It snapped off, and so I go through the air, you know, holding the tree now, you know. Uh, and I land, and of course, you know, it, at 51, if I tripped and fell down, you'd probably have to call an ambulance, right? Like, you just, we're not very flexible at this point. But at 10 years old, I do the whole thing. I land with the tree. I tumble around, and you get up, and you laugh about it, you know. Um, if, if I'm honest, when I think about my life, there have been seasons where I've probably been like that tree, if I'm, if I'm honest, where I have an appearance of health, uh, the leaves are green, the bark is good, but when the pressures of life hit, or a crisis hits, or sometimes it's just the mundane, everyday grind gets to you, that I realize there's parts of my life that are a bit hollow. Um, you know, it may even look like I got my act together. You know, like, hey, you got a good family. Hey, that was a good sermon. Hey, Joel, you're so kind and encouraging. And yet, inside, I go, uh, dude, if you would have known what I was thinking about you, you'd have probably throat punched me. You know, like, <laughs> like internally, there's some stuff happening that I'm doing a pretty good job of, of showing you something that, that looks, that has the appearance of goodness, but in my own heart, I'm wrestling in those moments. Other times I can feel just when wave after wave after wave come at me, and I'll just feel these times where, like, man, do I have what it takes internally? Have I done the work? Is there enough substance in there uh, to stop that flying kid going down, getting ready to jump off the cliff that, you know, I can stop? Or in the role that I am and the role that you all are in. You're around people who are counting on you. Kids and grandkids and friends and family members and uh, that, that count on you. There's these seasons where we think if somebody needed something of 
substance, something that was solid. Could they grab a hold of my life and could I be anchored enough? Do I have deep enough roots that they could, they could count on me? Have you ever felt that way? You ever just thought, do I have what it takes? Um, I want to be solid and sure in Christ. I mean, don't you? I want to be, be authentic. Don't you? I want that. Um, I, I don't want to be a hollowed out tree uh, that people grab and hold of and find out that it's wanting. You know, my guess is you're here at church, uh, especially on the day that we turn the clocks forward. You're here at the first service because you want to be here. You want to be a better person. You, you want to uh, become a more solid person, a person of, of substance. You want a faith that is, that is genuine, but my guess is there's enough of us in the room, there's probably some that have had those experiences like me, or maybe you're sitting here today, where there's a hollowness, like you're like, man, I have the appearance, I'm at church, I raised my hands, I sang the songs, but inside you're like, I don't know if I have what it takes, but you're here because you want to have a solid faith. You want to be, have a faith that isn't just going through the motions. You want to have a faith that it can endure suffering or that can survive a financial crisis. Um, there, there may be some that you think you have a solid faith, um, and, but you won't know until you're running down the hill and have to grab something solid, right, and find out. Um, how could we know if our faith is hollow? What are some signs? What, what would real, even genuine faith look like? If you have your Bibles, we won't look at it right now, but if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 11. And the, and the reason we're going to look in our Bibles is because we actually believe that the Word of God is true, that it's authority, it's our guide for life. Um, and so we Christians, we followers of Jesus, believe these are, this is the inspired Word of God. And so we go to it to not just read words on a page, but to hear the voice of God speak to us to show us how to live. We're in a series, uh, I say we because I'm here today, but you're in a series um, called Unveiled Mysteries. And you've been looking through Mark, and you've been seeing how Jesus has been unveiling different mysteries, often about life or about him or about the kingdom or about him being the Messiah. And today's going to be a little different. I think the Lord is actually going to unveil some stuff in us. And, uh, and it comes from Mark chapter 11 and the things that, that happen there. Um, Jesus is going to unveil a hollow, empty religious system. And he'll likely unveil a few things about our own hearts along the way. But he'll also unveil how we can have a genuine, solid walk with him. Why should you listen today? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, I think hopefully you're already in. You know, I'm hoping you're like, yeah, I want to be a real substantive Christian. I want to have a solid faith. I want to be the real deal. I want to be authentic. I want to have a rich spiritual life. I, I, I don't, you know, you know enough scripture, right? You, you know how, how, how preaches scripture to you. So you've, you've had enough scripture. You know there are actually people on judgment day who'll say, what, Lord, Lord, <laughs> didn't we? And they name off the things, right? And then he goes, I don't even know you. Well, what, most of us don't want to end up in that spot, right? You've, you've read enough Bible, you know Revelation, right? Like where, where, where he says things like, ah, you're, like you're, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're like lukewarm, I'm just going to spit you out of my mouth. Mm. Well, that's harsh, you know, and I, and I get it. I like 
hot coffee. I like cold coffee. I don't like lukewarm coffee. You know, I like hot milk. Uh, that's good. Chocolate milk, right? I like cold milk. Eh, lukewarm milk, not so much, right? Like, I get what he's saying, but we don't want to end up there. So I, I, I assume if you're a follower of Jesus, you want to listen. If you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're just here because a friend or a family member convinced you that even though you lost an hour of sleep, you should come to church on Sunday. If, if you're here, and you're just seeking Jesus, my hope would be is that you hear that we followers of Jesus uh, know that we're not perfect, and yet we do understand the Lord calls us to have character and integrity and something real on the inside, that we're not just here for show. We're actually trying to become transformed people who have a real faith in Jesus. And my hope is, if you're here, that the things that I share through the Word would actually attract you, that you would say, I want that kind of a thing. If that's what it means to follow Jesus, I want that. And my hope would be that even perhaps today would be the day that you give your life to Jesus. So that's why I hope you, hope you listen. Well, let's look at, at these scriptures and just ask ourselves, how could we know if our faith is hollow? What are some signs? What would real, genuine faith look like? Mark 11, and let's start at verse 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. I'm just going to pause. We're like jumping right in the middle of the story here, so let me just set it up. This is like the, the week before Easter. Uh, this would be, uh, you know, the time where he comes in, what we call the triumphal entry. And so he has rode in on a donkey. He has shown himself to be a different kind of a Messiah. He's not a warrior Messiah. He's not come over to take over Jerusalem. He's coming in as a shepherd Messiah. And he, he comes in low, riding on a donkey. He's humble. And he looks around and he says, okay, I've, I've seen this. And he, and he leaves with his, his disciples. And he's going to to go back to the temple the next day. Now, if we were to read all of Mark 11, we would see something um, that, that scholars would call a, a, they call it a Markin sandwich, which is a weird thing. But Mark tends to write with these sandwiches where he'll bracket things. And so he's going to bracket with the temple, bracket with the temple. And we're actually going to get like temple, fig tree, temple, fig tree, temple, if we read the whole thing. And, and it basically is just saying, here's the theme. And the theme in this sandwich that he's going to have is religious life and the religious system that the disciples and the, and the Jewish folks of the day would have been used to. And so everything that comes next in this sandwich is about the temple and about religious life. Take a look at verse 12 through 14. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, a little village outside of Jerusalem, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. So he set up, remember I said we got a bracket thing. We got this, we got the temple, the Mark 11 is going to end with the temple. Everything that's being said in between is about the temple. And so even this story, Jesus sees a fig tree. Fig tree is very important to the life of ancient uh, Jews, um, the season that this would have happened, because we know it's, it, we're gearing up for Passover, it's spring and all that, the fig trees would not have had uh, fruit at this time. They, pro they probably would have had like little green settings or little fruit buds just beginning, and it would have signified that the tree could bear fruit. If a fig tree couldn't bear fruit, it just, there wasn't much else use for it. 
honestly. Uh, they didn't use really the wood or anything. Um, and so Jesus sees this fig tree, and while he's making a comment about the fig tree, he's talking about the religious system. He's, he's beginning to say already, we're going to get deeper into it in a second, but he's already saying this thing has the appearance of life. It, it's got bark. It's got leaves. Um, Siri just told me she's not under, sure she understands. Um, that means I'm not doing a good job. I better, I better do better. Um, uh, but it had the appearance of, of health, but it wasn't. When he looks at it, he goes, it's not, it doesn't even have any green settings yet. It doesn't have any buds, and it's the time for that to happen. It's not going to bear fruit. It has the appearance of health, but, but it's, I'm using the terminology I used earlier, it's hollow. It's not alive. It's not reproducing. It's not giving fruit. Already we're beginning to get an answer of, genuine, of what does genuine faith look like and, and what does hollow faith look like. I mean, how would we know if our faith is hollow? Jesus would say, like, hollow faith is, is fruitless. It, it lacks fruit in the believer's life. And I'm not talking about activity. We, we can generate activity. You can come to church, go to small group, volunteer on 14 teams, do the thing. I mean, you can... You could even just tick off, you know, uh, Bible app devotion. We can do activity, right? We got that down. But genuine fruit of abiding in Christ, of being with Jesus, fruit of the Holy Spirit, love and joy and peace and, and gentleness and goodness and kindness and self-control, that stuff I can't generate. Hang around me enough, and, and if, if it's just Joel operating without the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to give off those fruits. <laughs> those things only happen as I immerse my life in Jesus and I abide with him. Jesus is saying, you know what? Real religion, real spirituality, real faith is the kind that produces real fruit. Now Jesus is actually going to go into the temple and talk about unveiling a mystery, talk about unveiling something. He's going to unveil something pretty harsh here. Take a look at verse 15. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers, the benches of those selling doves. He wouldn't allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple. And as he caught them, he said, Is it not written that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the cr whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. To, to get a picture of what's happening here, as Jesus would have approached Jerusalem, he would have seen the temple. It would have had a series of ginormous courts and courtyards. Uh, the building itself would have been covered in precious metal. It was said that on a sunny day, depending on the angle you came in at Jerusalem, you had a hard time looking towards it because of the reflection of the sun. It was beautiful. It was ornate. There's all kinds of activity. There's sacrifices and trumpets and singers and, and giant like offering things. You know, like if you've ever been to the mall or someplace where they have like uh, you can give money to charity and it's got the giant funnel and you stick your coin. Well, they had these giant funnels where you'd stick your stick your offering. In. I mean. 
It's beautiful. It's ornate. There's activity. There's people. And, and these courtyards went like this. You would have a, the whole thing was walled off. You'd go in a set of gates, and this would have been a courtyard for Gentiles, non-Jews who were seeking God, who wanted to get closer to God. Um, and then the next court would have been a place where women could have worshipped, and then the next place was men, and then the next place was the, the temple proper itself, and sacrifices would have happened. Then you walk in, and there would have been a holy of holies. Um, you know, you've seen Indiana Jones. you got the Ark of the Covenant and all that. So uh, you got the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. There's a curtain there that blocks all that. And I'm a simple guy. I'm from southeastern Ohio, so I hope, hope, I, hope I relate. Um, well, what Jesus walks into the temple is he walks into this first place, and this is the place where people who are seeking God are supposed to come. People who've been far from God, they're not Jews, they don't have heritage, they don't have the word, they don't have the, they don't have the book, they don't have the Old Testament and the Torah and the prophets and the law and all, they don't have any of that. And yet they have this desire, I, I, I believe this is the one true God. I'm going to leave my pagan life and my pagan culture behind, I want to seek God. Jesus walks into this place that's supposed to be set up for people to come to know God. And what he finds is animal stalls. Currency exchangers. Why? Well, because if you travel a long distance, temple had rules. You had to have a certain kind of coin to pay your offering. You couldn't just use your own currency. You had to do a currency exchange. And if you're traveling long distances, you're not bringing the sheep with you to do the sacrifice so you can buy it. But the system is like set up so that people actually make profit. They're selling the animals for more. The, the exchange rate is horrible. People are making money. But even if that wasn't the thing, even if it wasn't a den of robbers, it's a place that's supposed to be for people to find God and yet and pray, and yet it's noisy. And it's set up so the religious people, A, make a profit, and B, that it's convenient for the religious people. For the insiders, for the people who can go to the, past the next gate, who they're the qualified religious people who are allowed to worship on the inside, but they've set up a system that's keeping the outsiders outside. And Jesus begins to reveal that this is a hollow spirituality. The temple had the appearance of being the temple of God, but it was hollow. Like the fig tree, it was fruitless. It had become self-centered, not God-centered, not other-centered. Convenience and profit had pushed out the Gentiles, the very people that the Israelites, the very the people of God were over and over in the Old Testament said, you're going to be a light for all nations to come to and find me. And yet they'd set up a system of religion that was actually keeping those folks out. They, the place that was set aside just for them to pray and to find God, they turned into a noisy marketplace. What looked like godliness and spirituality have been unveiled by Jesus to be bankrupt. We've had, we've had an unveiling in American Christianity, haven't we, the last few years? I don't mean to pile on to anybody, but let me just name names. Bill Hybels, Ravi Zacharias, James McDonald, Mark Driscoll. You want me to keep going? I mean, uh, a few years ago, um, Ed Stetzer, who's now the Dean of Theology at Biola University, few years ago I heard him speak, it's probably 2020, actually it was March of 2020, and he says he keeps a poster in his office, he was invited to preach at a conference at Rick Warren's church, a big church in Saddleback, uh, California, and he said there were 10 speakers at the conference, 
and he keeps the poster in his office to keep him humble and to keep him accountable to people because as he looks at the poster, only two of the ten are still in ministry and haven't had some kind of falling, either abusive leadership style, embezzlement, uh, uh, immorality, and no two are Rick and Ed. It's been an unveiling, hasn't it? But the Lord is saying we're supposed to be a people of integrity. We don't have to be perfect. Nobody's, nobody's perfect. But we ought at least be able to admit we're not perfect and not try to give off this image of perfection and say we are, we are, we are humble people trying to follow Jesus and trying to have character and integrity. I used to have people all the time in my local uh, community I live in, they'd say, I don't go to church, it's full of hypocrites. And I'd say, you ought to come to our church. They go, oh, you don't have any hypocrites? I said, oh, no, 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 we're all hypocrites. Like, we are all, like, we just know it and admit it, right? Like, we know there's a standard we're not making, but we're trying to get there. So come to the place where we're all, I, mean, I said, haven't you ever made a commitment or said you're a thing and you haven't actually attained it? Yeah, I have. Well, th that's who we are. We just admit it. We're not coming off like we've got it all together. We know who we are. <laughs> That's, that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to be people of character and integrity who are growing and being transformed. You know, those other eight speakers had the appearance of being the temple of God, but they were hollow. Like a fig tree, they were fruitless. It, whatever they were doing had become self-centered and not God-centered. Convenience and sometimes profit had come in the way of others knowing the one true God. I think there's been a local unveiling uh, or excuse me, there's been an unveiling of hollowness in, in local churches. I've been doing this for about 15 months now, and as I visit churches, now maybe your church is different. I mean, you have a great pastor, you have Hal, you know, you didn't have me as pastor, so maybe, maybe your church was different than me. Uh, but my church, and as I visited other churches, there's been an unveiling. I mean, think about it. Like, we're the people of God. Like, we just, we just took the, 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 the blood and body of Christ, right, together. We have said the very blood of Jesus Christ binds us together. I mean, surely, if that's what binds us together, surely differences over masks wouldn't, like, divide us as a body of Christ. Turns out it does. <laughs> like, people left churches all the time of a matter of opinion i mean we just said he's the king of our lives and that we are citizens of the kingdom of god and that he, we are bought by the blood of jesus and we belong to jesus and like we're saying like the party of jesus is is our first allegiance i mean surely not the party of the donkey or the elephant would divide us turns out <laughs> it does right I could go on, but, but I actually want you to like me, so I won't, I won't, I won't you know, keep going. But do you understand what I'm saying? That, like, there's been an unveiling. And I'm afraid what it has revealed in many churches, and, 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 and it revealed it heavy in mine, is that there's a hollowness in some of our faith. Revealed some hollowness in my own heart. You know, when Jesus reveals that, he's not being mean. The kindest thing Jesus could do is reveal areas of want and emptiness in our life. You know, the harshest judgment Jesus could give 
the harshest judgment is like isn't that he would strike you down or anything like that or or give you boils or something or whatever i don't know you start thinking of harsh judgments you know um the harshest judgment jesus could give is just to let you and i do whatever we want and not unveil what's wanting in our lives because when he unveils these things when he unveils it at the temple it isn't to be mean or harsh it is actually to call people towards real christianity towards real following jesus real discipleship you know what he called it abundant life <laughs> like he's calling us to something that is actually real and substantive and is abundant in his life you know as people went through this and our 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 people quit gathering and uh and they quit even hanging out together and so many times people ghosted one another and i'm hearing the same stories all along all around the country as i travel what it revealed is we had an appearance of being the temple of God, but we were hollow. We were fruitless. We lacked the presence of God at the center. We had become self-centered and where our opinions mattered more than being God-centered or other people-centered. Convenience so often pushed out those who were on the outside looking at how we were behaving towards one another. It's interesting. In a few chapters, Jesus will be crucified and uh, the evidence at his trial that, that he deserves crucifixion is he will say something about the temple again. He will say that in, I will destroy this temple and in three days it will be rebuilt. And of course you know what he's talking about, right? He's talking about his own body. He's going to be crucified. Three days later he's going to resurrect. And so no longer would a building be the temple of God, but he would be the temple of God. Of course, early Christians picked up on this language, and they began to realize that with the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and as they reflected on the crucifixion, and when that, that curtain, back, back to those of you who are simple like me, remember Indiana Jones, the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, the whole thing, when this, this curtain gets ripped, and it signified that the presence of God was now available to all people, early Christians picked up on that, and the idea that Jesus was the temple of God, and they began to say things like in 1 Corinthians 3, 17, like, like you and I, are the temple of God. You know, in, in, in verse 3, it, or in chapter 3 of Corinthians, it's, it's plural, meaning the church, the people, are the temple of God. And in 1 Corinthians 6, it's like individual Christians are the temple of God. They would, they would begin to use language like 1 Corinthians 12, where like, you're the hands and feet of Jesus. You're, again, you're embodying Christ. You and I are the temple of God. The question is, are we a hollow temple? Are we a temple of substance, or are we hollow? Do you have the appearance of the temple of God, or are you empty of his presence? If Jesus came into to your life, into my life, if he walked in like he walked into that temple, and he found it wanting, and he turned over tables, and he throws out the money changer, what would he find? Would he find us to be self-centered people, that we had created obstacles to our prayer life, much like they had created obstacles to the prayer life in the temple because of all the noise? For the Gentiles, it was sheep stalls and currency exchangers that were obstacles to prayer life. But, but what is it for you that, that hinders you from growing closer to God and having a solid faith in Jesus? If you're like me, sometimes it's just the love of sleep and the fear of being tired, right? I have a love of sleep and I have a fear of being tired. You ever done that? Like, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to spend time in prayer before I go to work or before I hang out with my spouse today or with the grandkids. And and you lay there and you go, if I don't sleep 30 more minutes, I'll be tired at 2. 
You know, like the fear, I think, I think what keeps most of us from having a healthy prayer life is just the fear of being tired, right? And, but that's an obstacle. It's simple, it's funny, but it can become an obstacle. Um, or maybe just your obstacle to a prayer life is you're so self-made, so self-reliant, which is it's so self-sufficient, which, which there's a lot of great qualities on that. But maybe it just never occurs to you that I need God's help in my life. And so you just don't call out to him. Would Jesus find attitudes and actions that are obstacles to other people finding Jesus? I remember as we went, you know, we, we were in 2021 by this point, I had just seen enough fractures in families and like people who just like, I would, I would hear stories, like people I knew who are Christians and everybody in their family are Christian and yet they decided they weren't getting together for the holidays because they had voted differently or something silly or they had a different opinion on that, whatever. You know, like, this is dividing us. I grew concerned. I began to teach on what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the kingdom of God and to, to pledge our allegiance to the king first. And I also began to talk about how what we, we post online is, is a witness and, and whatever issue you want to stand on online, I guarantee you, 50% are for you and 50% are against you. And I just said, whatever opinion you want to have about anything, I'm concerned as a follower of Jesus, I don't want my opinion on things that don't matter on Judgment Day to stand in the way and be an obstacle to 50% of the people coming to know Jesus. I'll keep my opinions to myself or I'll vent at home you know, to my poor wife. You know? But I don't need to blast it everywhere else where it creates hurdles for people to come to know Jesus. If there's going to be a hurdle, I want the hurdle to be the call of Christ and the cross. That's it. I don't want it to be my preferences and my opinions that I've spouted off. And, and I've been that guy, so I'm, I'm, I get it. I'm, I'm convicted. I don't want that. I had a 70-year-old guy come up to me that I loved dearly, and I loved him more after this crying and this is this guy's not a crier and he's like he's like man's man you know he just you shake his hand and you know when you shake somebody's hand and you know they do real work you know you shake my hand and you go that guy types emails all day you know you, you know <laughs> you, you shake this guy's hand you go like oh yeah I mean the strength the roughness like this guy does real work um and he, I said Mike what's going on man and he goes it just dawned on me like, everything I've been spouting off about, about my political preferences and about the other side, and he said, uh, I just realized I've hurt people, and my tone and my posts likely have, um, it's lost me the ability to actually witness to some of my friends. It never occurred to me that that would do that. That would be an obstacle, and I don't want to be that guy anymore. There'd been an unveiling that day. Not his whole life wasn't hollow. He's a great dude. But there was a part of his life that wasn't fully formed. It was hollow, and it certainly was not producing fruit. And he repented, and he changed. Maybe it's personal convenience that's hindering the mission of God in your life. Maybe God has called you to volunteer in a certain place, or to maybe even just a witness to somebody that lives next to you, and you're like, oh, man, I don't want to look stupid, or this is not convenient, you know, for me to do this, or, you know, I don't want to give, but the temple of God had been revealed that the, that religious system set up convenience, and it, it actually trumped the outsiders from getting to know God. 
because they were more concerned about their convenience than they were about other people coming to know Jesus. We can have the appearance of being the temple of God, but be hollow. Real faith is fruitful, full of the Spirit, God-centered and other-centered. So how can, how can we, I'm going to land this plane, we're getting to that time. Um, how, could we, how could we make sure we actually implement or do something about what we've learned today? Like we don't want a hollow faith, we want something of substance. I just have really two simple, and I hope they're not, they're not too simplistic, but as I, as I looked at this passage and thought about your series and, and this kind of thing, like really it comes down, it, it's, it's just using what Jesus did. Um, I mean, I think the first way you apply this to your life is like you become a person who's willing to be cleansed regularly. Like you actually come before God regularly and you invite Jesus in and say, okay, if I'm the temple of God now... <laughs> and you were to come into my courtyard, what would you find that would be obstacles to me being the fully formed person uh, that you want me to be? What, what obstacles have I set up for my own life to be closer to you? But are there things in my life that are actually obstacles for other people? Are there attitudes or actions in my life that would keep a coworker like the way I'm operating at work? Is there something I'm doing, Jesus, that I'm operating in a way that would actually hinder somebody from, from knowing you? Is there an attitude with a neighbor, you know, who always gets on my nerves <laughs> that I've been at odds with? When they have parties, they park in my yard off the curb, you know. I mean, they, you know, whatever, you know. Like, is there something that I've done that's become, I want to be the kind of person, Jesus. This would be you saying, I want to be the kind of person who that you, you just cleanse regularly and that there's no obstacles for other people. Like, they could come into my, the sphere of my influence and just like the outsiders, the Gentiles would come in, I, I don't want them to find obstacles to, to finding you, Jesus. I want my life lived in such a way that people would look and go, wow, what she has, what he has, that's what I want. I would encourage you, regularly pray. For me, it's, you know, I do a journal thing where every day I have a section called confession, and whatever I've read that day, I'm allowing those scriptures to read me. <laughs> And they go, oh, yeah, I, I need to confess that. And I write those down. At night, I've, I've recently done something. It's a little app called Lectio, or Lectio 365. And at night, every night, a calm, soothing voice says, you know, the day is done. The night has come. Saturday is almost over. You know, <laughs> that's what it said last night. And then he, and it, this little voice leads me through, like, an examination. Is there anything I've said or done today that's not godly? You don't have to do those things, but what is it? Are you regularly putting your life before Jesus and saying, cleanse me? There used to be an old Keith Green song. Some of you are old enough to know who Keith Green is, Christian artist. Uh, he used to sing a song, rushing wind, blow through this temple. Cleanse me from the dust within. Or think of another song of his, which he stole from a songwriter named David. Perhaps you've heard of David. Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Search me, O oh God. <laughs> Find any wicked way in me. We need to regularly be doing that before Jesus, allowing him to cleanse us. But it's not just a cleansing we need. We also need a filling. 
And so an early follower of Jesus, Paul, he wrote something in Ephesians 5. He says, we can be kind of the kind of people who are be being filled, that we can continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. So perhaps you're the kind of person, just because the way you are, you always feel guilty. So you're always like, before God, search me, oh God. You know, um, okay, that's good. But are you the kind of person who also says, fill me, oh God? When's the last time you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, not like, I hope it's not like, well, it's at this conference that our church did eight years ago. And no, no, I, hope, I hope it's not that. I mean, I, I, I hope it's something like, man, two Sundays ago we were worshiping and the Lord just filled me. I hope it's, I was that small group and I was feeling empty and I just asked the people, would you lay hands on me and pray? I'm feeling empty, like I just need filled with the Spirit. I, I got to have more of the Spirit because this fruit stuff, I'm supposed to be producing it. It isn't going to happen unless I have more of Jesus in me. We're, we're going we're gonna to end, and for the, for the sake of time, I hope you forgive me. I'm not going to tell the nice little story at the end that wraps it all up. Um, because I want to save enough time, because I actually feel like the Spirit of Jesus wants to do some cleansing in the room. And he wants to do some filling in the room. That some of you have come in, life has beat you up pretty hard the last few months and years. And you just need more of Jesus. So would, would you just stand with me? And could we just wait on the Holy Spirit for a few moments? I, I don't want to do just my best intentions or the things I wrote down, although I, I prayed over those things. I actually think we should wait on the Spirit of the living God to come. And so uh, it's, if you feel comfortable, you can hold out your hands. There's nothing magic about it. It's just that we actually believe we're whole beings, like our minds, our spirits, our bodies are all um, connected. And if you don't believe that, the next time you talk to your wife, cross your arms the whole time and frown and see and, and say, I'm listening or, you know, read a book the whole time. I'm listening. Yeah, we get it, right? Like we're connected. So let's just hold our hands out. Come, Holy Spirit. Begin to move. I'm just going to be quiet for a few moments. Let's just wait on the Lord. Hmm. Come, Lord. Some of you, the Lord has is, is already begun inviting you. He began to invite you during the, the sermon of like, invite me in to, to clean house, to clean the temple. Like some of you, are, 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 you felt that. There was a conviction. So I just, right where you're at, just begin to say, Holy Spirit, come. Cleanse me. Some of you, attitudes and actions that have been obstacles to your own growth in Jesus, but also... You fear of becoming an obstacle for other people to see Jesus in you? Some of those things are coming to mind. Just, just begin to offer them to Jesus right now. Begin to confess those to Jesus. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness and to cleanse us. Others, it's just been a long time since you've had a filling of the Holy Spirit. You're a good person, you volunteer, you're here every week, you, but you just know. 
I'm operating on my own batteries, not, not the Holy Spirit. Just begin to invite the Spirit to come. Say, fill me up, Lord. Some of you right now, the Lord is taking you back to other experiences you've had with Him when He filled you up. Some of you, it's the first time. Like you, you remember the first time you, were, you experienced the Spirit in a deep way, and He's saying, I want you to have that feeling again right now. Not necessarily a feeling, but He wants you to have the feeling. He wants to come and fill you up with His presence, strengthen you. Come, Holy Spirit. looking out over you there's a sense too of just the the dancing hand of God is is like coming over the congregation and he is he's beginning to distribute gifts of the spirit to people um I just had a real strong sense like the Lord is is um uh, distributing the gift of hospitality that you're going to be the kind of person that can just welcome people whether in your home or even just even as you're sitting at a restaurant wherever you're at like People are going to feel the welcome of God through you. And it's actually going to be used by the Lord to be an evangelistic tool to lead people to come to know Jesus because of your hospitality. They'll feel safe. Your dining room table will be a refuge for people. They'll feel safe. They'll bear their heart and soul, and you're going to be able to speak words of life and actually invite them. Like, Well, I, I found that following Jesus actually helps with what you were just telling me. Would, would you like to follow Jesus? Could I tell you more about Jesus? Somebody, too, you've, you've got something. Um, you're right now, there's some pain in your lower back. It's, it's probably, I don't know, a quarter of the way up from, like, your belt is where your pain is at. Uh, there's a pinched nerve there. Some vertebrae have been, I don't know if they've been crushed or they're just pinching there. Cartilage has, has been gone. And uh, the Lord is beginning to heal that right now. He actually wants to heal you right now. And um, in just a few moments, we'll call the prayer team, and I, I would love for you to come and to get, to get prayer. Somebody also, just over the weekend, you got some news about one of your grandchildren that you are, like, deeply concerned about. Like, it's, it's become a burden. Like, you cannot, like, even laying in bed last night, you kept thinking about that over and over again. And the Lord wants to come and give you supernatural peace. And uh, he actually wants to teach you how you can, um, you're still going to carry it because you love your grandchild. But he's going to show you how he can carry the heavier part of that um, for you. And that you can actually have internal peace even as there's external chaos. Um, just invite the prayer team. Could the prayer team just go or I think you go up to the sides, up front, wherever, and if some of those words were for you, if, if you're having, if you're experiencing a cleansing, I would encourage you to go and talk to the prayer team. I have found that confession becomes much more concrete when I tell another human. And when another human tells me, you know, you're forgiven, like forgiveness becomes much more concrete when I, when I say it out loud and I hear it out loud. So I would encourage you to get, if you're experiencing a cleansing, if you're experiencing a new filling of the Holy Spirit, I would encourage you to go to one of these folks to say, would you pray for more? I, just, just I, want, I want more of a filling. Like, I believe the Lord is filling people, but there's something about when we pray for one another, it, it happens more. And if some of those healing words were for you, then I encourage you to come forward.
get prayer. The grandparents' word I gave come forward. Or if you just need prayer for anything, this is an open time. So let's just let's just wait a few more moments. Um, and if you need prayer, just begin to come right now. Come, Holy Spirit. that need prayer. It doesn't take much discernment. Like if you have lower back pain, da 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 did I describe it? Well then you should get prayer. If <laughs> if uh, if you were sensing the Holy Spirit beginning to fill you, then you, just, you should get prayer. If you've been confessing some things and need cleansing, you should get prayer. It's just a time for the body of Christ to minister to one another. Remember what I said, we're the temple of God, the hands and feet of Jesus. So we get to minister to one another. So who else? occurs to me too if you're watching online and some of this stuff's hit you you pray right where you're at and this week you may want to reach out to the staff here to send an email to call in and say man i was sitting at home and the lord touched me and i need more prayer i want to grow in this or something joel said it was was where i'm at right now and you're still part of the body even though you're watching online right now Give us 30 or 60 seconds here. See if the Lord has anything else for us. Here's what we're going to do. I'll close with prayer. And uh, so I'll pray. But... Our prayer team people are going to stay up here you know, for a couple minutes. And if you need prayer, um, I would just encourage you when we dismiss, take, there's something about taking a step that makes our faith concrete. So I would, I would take a step and just come up to one of our prayer team people and say, you know what, I need prayer for whatever. And they'll be here. They'll pray for you. Let me, let me pray a blessing. Lord, I thank you for Vine Life Church. I thank you that this is a church of substance. It's, it's not hollow. These are substantive people led by substantive leaders, leaders who, who love you deeply and are cultivating a deep life with you. Lord, I bless these people that they would continue to grow close. They would experience a continual cleansing in their individual life and the continual filling. May these people, unlike that tree I grabbed uh, running down a hillside, may these people be strong and mighty. I think of the things in the Psalms, oaks of righteousness, where their roots are deep. I'm thinking of Acts 17 where it says, people are placed in times and spaces and places so that those that don't know Jesus can reach out and find that he's not far off. I pray for these people in this room, they would be the kind of strong and sturdy people that people in the Brooksville and the surrounding area, that they could reach out and know, oh, man, there's a Jesus person. There's somebody that, that's anchored to something deeper than what this culture has sold me. And they would find you through the very people standing in this room. Bless them, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Again, if you need prayer, uh, the service actually we're dismissing, but prayer doesn't end. You can come forward and get prayer. Thank you.
I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. If you did, there's two things you could do for me. First, subscribe to our channel. That way, the most recent podcast will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted you, would you help us to continue to reach others by clicking on the link in the description to give now. Until next time, thank you so much for listening to The Empowered Word.